following presentation of the Jaguars Podcast Network is presented by MyStar Credit Union. Mark Brunel is still, in many ways, the face of the franchise in Jacksonville, though it's been nearly two decades since he last pulled on the Teal 8. More than any other player, the quarterback who was hand-selected by Tom Coughlin to lead his first team represents the golden era of Jaguars football. 438, 437, 436. Can the Jaguars make something happen? Brunel under center, sends Keenan in motion from the near to the far side. He'll take the snap and drop back to throw. Pressure coming, he's jumping out to the near side. Pump action, cuts across the 50, breaks a tackle at the 45, he's at the 40. Mark Brunel running to the far side, left turns the corner, 35-30. Down to the 25, an inside move, leaping for the 21. Mark Brunel with a masterful run of 29 yards. And the clock continues to run. This is Perspectives. The story of the Jaguars' first 25 years, as told by the people who built the franchise. This is Mark Brunel. The scrambling style, the gunslinger's bravado, the big wins, and the crushing losses. Mark Brunel lived the early years of the Jaguars, and years later, in some respects, it seems as if he simply survived them. His name hangs high above the field in the stadium he once lorded over as the quarterback as the gladiator, whose name was praised every Sunday. But it wasn't as easy as the warm, charming man who isn't afraid of his legacy might lead you to believe. I was never a great quarterback. You won't look back and say, you know, Mark Brunel was a great quarterback. But I had some great moments. Brunel and his teammates didn't have many of those through the first 27 games the Jaguars played in 95 and 96. Sure, the win in Houston to secure victory for the first time and the inaugural win over the Steelers in the inaugural season gave everyone a taste of the glory that lay ahead. In November of 1996, when a club fractured by mounting losses, a difficult and demanding coach, plus a polarizing player, began a run that would lead them to the brink of something special. Crowd is on their feet. The holder is Dan Straczynski. The Jaguars' playoffs hopes may indeed rest on this play. It is from 31 yards. There's the snap. The place with the kick is up. It's on the way. And it's no good. It's no oh good. My it's no good. Martin oh Anderson is missed. And the Jaguars are going to the playoffs. Oh, my goodness. Nobody was more relieved that Morton had missed that kick than I. We had the game won before that drive. Before... The Falcons took that down and, and got, got Morton in, in field goal range. We had a third down, third and eight, six, 13. I don't remember what it was. But I can remember thinking in the huddle, all right, we got this play. If we just, you know, we're kind of in four-minute drill. We get a completion. We get a first down. This is ours. So it was a big third down because we don't remember the time, the specifics. I just remember how important this third down was. So the play, whatever the call was, I'd go through my reads. Well, I decided to throw out to the comeback. Comeback's wide open. Um, he catches the comeback. I don't even remember the receiver, Brian. He catches the comeback. It's a first down. we got another set of downs. Chances are we're going to ride this out in a four-minute offense and win the game. I bounce it to him. I bounce it to him. Wide open. And I just remember, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You just 
you know, comebacks aren't the easiest to throw. But listen, I um, at least get it in the general vicinity of the receiver. Um, incomplete. We got a punt. They get it back. And so I'm thinking, you know, if you complete one pass, this team's going to play us. And I was just overwhelmed by it. I'm on the sideline, and I'm, I'm sick to my stomach. I just I can't stand myself. I'm thinking, oh, no. And, you know, you always say, you know, it's never one player. It's never one play, you know, that causes you. But, yeah, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's one player. Sometimes it's one play. And that would have been on me. And um, he misses that field goal. I thought, oh, oh I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Morton doesn't miss from that distance. He just doesn't miss. So, anyway, uh, Buffalo, no chance, going to be cold. Jim Kelly, K-Gun, they never lose up there. All right, let's give it a shot. Brian, that was it. All right, let's go up there and compete and see what happens. No one gives us a chance. Most of the guys in the locker room probably, you know, if they were being truthful, didn't give us a chance. Let's go play football. We've got a little role here. We, obviously, we, we've, uh, we're getting a couple breaks. We're here. Let's go compete and see what happens. That was it. There wasn't anything like... Hey, I know it's Jim Kelly. We're going to go up there. Some guys might have been spouting off all the confidence they had and, you know, we've got some momentum and all this stuff. Bull crap. Nobody thought we could win that game. Um, And I know you're not supposed to say that, but, you know, it's just the odds are stacked against you. We were just happy to be there. And some guys might give you a different perspective and say say different things. And, and, And for me, I just thought, wow, I get to go against Jim Kelly. In his place in a playoff game, dang, it's pretty cool. Um, we just went up there and played. Get off the bus. It's cold, snow. Got to walk through some hotel. It wasn't overly impressive. Stadium you walk in there is just miserable. But it was where Jim Kelly made his career. Got some great players, and uh, let's see what happens. That was it? That's all I can give you. I think I threw a couple picks. Clyde Simmons had a couple big plays. Defense came up when we needed them to. Uh, Natron ran well. Um, receivers, Keenan Jimmy, did well. I think I had a pick six. That didn't help things. So, But I tell you what, it was a team that regardless of how they f- thought this game would go, we still went up there and we thought, you know what, we're going to compete. And no matter how ugly it gets, Early on, no matter how bad it might seem, for four quarters, this group is going to fight. This group's going to try to make a play. This this team has some grit. There's some there's some resolve about them. We're going to go out there and, and compete. We got no business being on this field. We got no business being in the playoffs. But here we here we are. We're going to go and together we're going to go compete and see how this turns out. That was it. That was it. That was it. And we won. Made some plays at the end. Got to make some plays. What I loved about that was that we were able to we were able to overcome some really really bad plays, plays that lose games for you. Um, we also were able to come up with that big play that wins games for you. So you got both in one game, you know, and and that's why it was a close game. I think it was thirty to twenty seven. It went down to the end, and we had guys step up. And we had guys go out there that just did their job. 
it was Tony's signature game as a pro. It was Natron's, his, his runs. I had a couple throws in there, Clyde Simmons. Within that game, there were uh, career-identifying moments, and we all kind of got to be a part of them, which was kind of cool. The thing about the Buffalo game is that we go to Denver, all that Denver kind of overshadowed how great Buffalo was. We don't talk a lot about it. It was amazing. It was as big, if not bigger, than Denver. The only difference is one got you to the AFC Championship game, one got you to the next round. So um, just a great moment. Love that game. The euphoria of that win alone could have carried them back to Jacksonville. But the fans who lined the road from the airport to I-95 that night to welcome them home built their belief into something that would lift them a mile high. That day, uh, personally, I got to play against John Elway. I went to the Stanford football camp when I was a sophomore in high school, and guess who was there? John Elway. His dad was, his dad was uh, Jack was the head coach of Stanford at the time. I'm remembering my years correctly. I just know I was on Stanford's campus and John Elway was there. He's one of my favorites. Um, he is my favorite. Growing up, um, California kid. Anyway, just a chance to compete against him I thought was pretty cool. Now, we stepped into Denver a little with a little different mindset than we stepped into Buffalo. Um, more confidence, momentum, a little swag about us. We didn't use that word back then, swag. But we thought, you know, going in again, what, what were they, 13-3 and three or something again, and all the stuff on the outside, you have no chance. John Elway, you can't do it two weeks in a row. All right, same approach, but just a little bit more confident. We just did it. Maybe we could pull it off again. We get into that first quarter, and I think it's 12 to nothing. No chance, right? No chance. But again, you know, let's just keep competing. Let's just keep fighting. Let's make some plays. We'll see what happens. Maybe I get it down to the end and we pull it off. That's what happened. Made some plays offensively, defensively. Um, it was cool. I never looked at the papers. I don't remember Jaguars until afterwards. I don't. It was just uh, it was a great moment. It was really, really cool. The flyover. I wasn't a fan of the flyover. I didn't like it. I didn't like anything about it. It was too soon to me. It was, it was, it was rushed. Don't we have more work to do? Why, why are we doing this big celebration coming home with 40,000 or whatever it was in the stadium? We've got another, we've got the AFC championship game. I never liked it then. Looking back, I didn't. I didn't like. It didn't feel right. It was. I get it. The fans loved it, and it's still talked about. I didn't want to get on a microphone in front of all those people. Love them. Thought it was great that they were out to support, and it was an awesome moment. But even at, gosh, what was I? Twenty five at the time. Twenty six. Twenty six. I hadn't been around a long time, but I thought this this is not right. I didn't like it. It just was. It was just too soon. And um, yeah, 
great moment, but for me personally, I thought it was the wrong thing to do. More perspectives following this from ViStar Credit Union. At ViStar, we believe in better. And that means treating people better with friendly, personal service that's kept our members happy since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when you enter the branch. An online or phone chat for those quick questions. And a call center that's open every day. If you believe that great service is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Surely this team was just entering its window of opportunity. These Jaguars would be a force, or at the very least a factor in the AFC for as long as Brunel was in the huddle. The window slammed shut on a human night in New York when Giants linebacker Jesse Armstead's helmet and the quarterback's knee collided and sent the Jaguars' future to the sideline, or so it seemed. I hope you can appreciate that through the sound of your car radio, your stereo at home, wherever you may be this evening along our network. Mark Brunel, number eight, is on the field. The Jaguars are on Monday Night Football, and the energy is unbelievable here at Alltel Stadium. I knew it was a big deal, but to me, it wasn't that big a deal. I had done this in college. I had hurt my knee in college. MCL, ACL, major reconstruction. Um, so I'd hurt my knee before, and... Um, and I had come back from that. So when I hurt when I hurt my knee again, like I'm coming back. I've done it before. Don't know how long it's going to take. Don't know how bad it is. Um, but I, I I never I never thought I was in jeopardy of losing my team. Um, whether it was Rob or Steve, in my mind it was all right. Hold down the fort. I'm gonna get back as fast as I can. In college, now granted, I was eight, 19 years old. I came back from an ACL and an MCL in five months. It was fast. It was fast. And I thought, all right. I guess if there's a moment on this whole thing to brag on myself, it would be this. I worked. I worked. I worked hard. And uh, in the weight room, whether it was rehab, treatment, treatment, it was some, there was something about being the strongest I could be, being the fastest I could be, getting back as fast as I can. Um, and I knew I would work, and I knew that I'd do the right things. And I knew if they said it was going to be four weeks, I was going to make it two. Never never doubt that. Um, so um, we get into the opening. Oh, not being there for opening day it was excruciating. It was, it was hard. I wanted Rob to do well for Rob because he, he was – Really, Rob was was my favorite backup. Whole other story, whole other story. But Rob, Rob had my back. wasn't trying to get my job. It wasn't competitive. We were friends. Two ends of the spectrum as far as personalities, but I loved him. Um, protected me, helped me. For a young guy, knew the right things to say. Anyway, I wanted Rob to do well. I wanted us to win. And but I would be lying to you if I told you. I'm looking at him, I'm thinking, when he's playing real well in Baltimore, I'm thinking, ooh, Rob's pretty good. I better get back real quick. <laughs> I better hurry I better hurry my ass up. <laughs> and uh, uh, I wanted to be out there so bad. And then, and then Steve Matthews, the Giants game week two, 
I thought, we don't have a chance. That joker goes out there, and he had five run plays and maybe ten passes in the in the game plan. That And goes out there and franchise record 42 points. I'm thinking, gosh, anybody can do this if Matthews can't. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I was happy for him, but then I got back. Um, shouldn't have played that game. Wasn't ready. Couldn't move. Hurt like a mother. Um, but I faked it. I convinced the, who I needed to convince. I get just enough on the on the testing, whatever it was. I think it was uh, – I forget the name of the machine and stuff. Cybex. Yes, it was the Cybex. I hated that Cybex. It was horrible. Convinced Mike. Uh, said the right things to Tom. Said the right things to Dr. Lucy and Dr. Tandron. They just – I mean, just barely, you know, was enough to clear me. I just wanted to get out there and compete. I wasn't going to miss Monday night. I just wasn't. I can't. It's my team. I miss it. Um, I was the best chance to win. I was their best chance to win, so I had to be out there. That was it. Brunel and the wonderfully talented Jaguars would win three out of every four games they played through the next three seasons, making the playoffs every year and making their fans giddy as they climbed higher and higher into that stratosphere reserved for those teams with Super Bowl credentials. Smith and McCardell. Hardy and Brackens, Tony and Taylor, thrilled fans and built the demand for the NFL in Jacksonville. No victory in franchise history inflamed expectations like the 62-7 tidal wave that wiped out Miami. A week later, though, the losses were nearly as devastating in the home team's locker room. By far the most painful moment um, as a Jaguar. I'm still not over it. I never will be. Um, and it was not career defining, but a moment that could have been, um, very career defining, if that makes any sense. Quarterbacks responsibilities. You've got one job. One job as a starting quarterback is to win a Super Bowl for your team. Anything short of that. You failed. Now, obviously, there are situations and circumstances, and but that's the ultimate goal. We got we got really close that year to achieving that goal. And why? I'll never get over it. It'll never. I'll never stop feeling the pain when that game comes to mind, or when it's when we talk about it, when I read about it, when I hear about it. it it'll never stop hurting because. In my mind, if I play better, we win. If I play better, we win. Oh, Mark, you know that? No, 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 no. If I play better, we win. That's the job of the quarterback. Um, if and interception here, interception there, misread. There's only a few plays that I remember from that game. None of which are are very good. If I play better, we win. And that's that's tough. That's hard to swallow, but it is what it is. Winning, especially the kind of winning the Jaguars were accustomed to, can sand down rough edges and at least create the illusion of smoothness. That wasn't always the case when it came to the relationship between Brunel and Coughlin. Not unlike Lombardi and Starr or Nolan Bradshaw, the demands of a coach who never seemed to look back after winning and never looked forward after losing took its toll as losing took over in Jacksonville. That's who Tom was. There's nothing bad about that. But at times it was hard. 
it was hard for all of us. But here's what here's here's Tom. What I what I appreciate more what I appreciate now more than I ever did. I mentioned that his expectations were high. They were. They have to be. But you always knew where you stood. It's not the case with a lot of head coaches. I had other co- head coaches and you didn't know where you stood. I had head coaches say, hey, you're doing great. Love how you're competing. The next week I'm benched. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What about you love how I'm competing? You knew where you stood. He demanded a lot out of you. And if you didn't meet those demands, you were going to have conversations with him. Nothing wrong with that, too. Um, he was probably more firm with me because I was the quarterback. And I don't know if he would say this, maybe more than he needed to be at times. Um, understanding that I wouldn't handle his critique uh, or his coaching the way I should have. I didn't always handle it real well. I, I, I walked out of his office more times than not really pissed off. A lot of that had to do, and I can only speak for myself, my maturity level and really my perspective because I needed to understand at that time more that he's trying to make me better. He's trying to communicate to me where I stand. He's trying to communicate expectations that he had of me. Um, it doesn't mean I'm not his quarterback. It doesn't mean he thinks he made the wrong decision. It doesn't mean that he doesn't like me as the guy. Tom's perspective was, all right, I've got to get this kid better. I've got to get him performing at a higher level. And how he, and that's how Tom did it. That's who Tom was. I didn't understand that as much at the time. Um, I would get upset. Uh, I would get, you know, mad. I would stomp off. Gosh, I'm down here too much. And, man, I, I we, we won the game. I, yeah, I threw an interception, but we won the game. Why do I have to come down here? Um, so, but I look back now and I, and, and I think, you know what? There's one guy that gave me a shot. There's one guy that brought me to Jacksonville. There's one guy that said, Mark Brunel, you're my guy, and we, we, you are our franchise quarterback. One guy, that's Tom Coughlin. So I maybe not have liked how he coached, and I may have been, I might have been upset at times. I might have, might have been disappointed, or, or you know, stomped off and pouted, or was mad, or all of this stuff. Okay, but guess what? That guy gave me my shot, and if he doesn't, you know, I don't know if I ever get a, a team. Who knows? Who knows? But Tom, Co- Tom Coughlin gave me my shot, and I am forever grateful, and I am forever indebted to him for him believing in me. Um, and you know what? The way he coached me, it worked. It got me better. It lit a fire. Um, and uh, I've always respected him. I've, um, and I've always been grateful for him giving me my chance more perspectives following this from ViStar Credit Union. At ViStar, we believe in better, better convenience, so members can bank any way they want, whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. 
We believe that people have better things to do with their time. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. When Mark arrived in Jacksonville in the spring of 95, he knew of plenty of people in the organization, but he didn't know many of them personally. By the end of the 95 season, one man would have a dramatic impact on his life with the Jaguars and to this day. You know, when I think about Tony, I we were we were introduced, we were brought together because of Tom Coffin, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the city of Jacksonville. I get that. But we've been we've been really good friends now, best friends for over two decades. And most of our relationship, you know, we go so far beyond football. We don't even we don't even talk about football. We don't relive those moments. Hey, remember that game in Buffalo? Hey, you remember that one summer up in Stevens Point? Gosh, you remember that one? It just doesn't come up, Brian. It just doesn't. That's not that's not how we are connected. That's how we initially got connected. But now going forward, hey, he's my best friend. He's like a brother. Um, things go, something really cool happens. We have a baby. He's there. Um, we have a go through a tough time. House catches on fire. He's there. Um, I could give you countless examples of the good and the bad in our lives, both sides. We just make sure we're there. That's what best friends do. Um, recently had breakfast. Doesn't happen often, but I need I need it. I need to be able to connect and catch up. And sometimes it, it it's it's three weeks. Sometimes it's a month. We talk to each other at least once a week. Listen, he's my best friend, just like everyone listening here probably has a best friend, and you can identify. I don't. I uh, best way to put this. I wouldn't want to do life without him. Um, I've got some very val- valuable relationships, and I have some really close friends, um, but uh, none more closer than my friend uh, Tony. It's um, yeah, he's my guy. Yeah. Tony's run in Jacksonville ended after 2001. Tom's last days were in 2002. Mark followed in 2003. I understood when Tom was fired, when you get a new head coach, they typically bring in a quarterback. I understand. I understood that. But we hired Jack Del Rio. He was a former player, so he didn't really fit into the this is what head coaches do mold. Um, I had played against him. We're both Pac-10 guys. We weren't friends, but I you know, I played against him when he was in Minnesota. I was with Green Bay. And um, in my mind, I thought, all right, this is a new start. I'm the guy here. I've got plenty of football left. I feel good about this. We're getting up to the draft, and I'm hearing rumblings about, hey, they might take a quarterback in the first round. I had a position coach come up to me and say, listen, listen to all that crap. We're not taking a quarterback in the first round. Fair enough. I think I'm out at the quarterback challenge or some event down in, out in L.A. or something. I'm on the West Coast. Draft's going on. Draft's going on. They've got like a quarterback club or something like that. I'm throwing a football around in the sand. And I'm, 
I'm not really paying attention to the draft, but I am because I've heard some things about about uh, possibly taking a quarterback, and it wasn't just Jack. It's Shaq was here, and so I thought there was a possibility that you know maybe they take somebody. So I'm kind of looking, and sure enough, uh, Jaguars pick Byron Leftwich. I knew I was gone. That was it. I knew my days were numbered. Now, I knew I would, in all likelihood, start the next season. I knew that if, depending on how things go, determine how much playing time I would get. I knew two things. If I wanted to keep my job, I had to win early and stay healthy. Neither one of those happened. I cut open my elbow, ended up, you know, we're 0-3, cut up my elbow. That was it for me, and I knew it. That golden era shined to the Jaguars fans, but it wasn't as glamorous to be Mark Brunel. An entire city rolled out the red carpet, but oftentimes Brunel found himself wanting to step off it and out of the limelight. He enjoyed the city so much he returned years later, and now it's home. But those days back in the 90s weren't easy, and clearly they wore on him. So much so that he needed to talk about one moment that wasn't so good, as if clearing the air would lift some of the burden of having been less than perfect on and off the field. I can remember going to a, doing a radio show and I was going to be there for, I think I was going to talk on the radio for an hour and I was going to sign for an hour. Maybe this was just a signing thing. Maybe I was just signing somewhere where I was at Sears for a period of time and I was going to sign for this time. That was the agreed time. Well, it was supposed to sign for an hour, but it was a two-hour line. Nobody knew back then, all right, well, you know, we got to cut this line off. And this just stands out to me, and I feel terrible about it. At one hour, Mark Brunel gets up and walks out, leaving an hour of people right there. I got cursed at. I got this, you know, just yelling at me as I'm walking out of this series. And I thought, man, I wish I was, I wish I handled that better. You know what I mean? Life is different for Brunel these days. The guy who arrived a quarterback is now a coach. And no matter how that road twisted and turned over the last 15 years, he's grateful to be right here, right now. Things are really, really good. And it has everything to do with that trade in late April in 1995. That was the beginning of something really special. There are moments in your life that launch you into your destiny. There are moments in your life that just take you wherever you are, take you out of where you are, throw you into a new environment, situation. You don't even know what it means, but you look back and you think, wow, Jackson, 